today is because I love God. <laughs> I, this is the sixth message I've given on because I love God. And I, I wanted to start with um, a, little, a few verses, a couple of verses of a song that was sung when I was, uh, or was sang, or was sung, whatever. <laughs> was, uh, I just have my English teachers out here. Well, when I was a little boy. And in this, this song was a very simple little song. And what it said was, Lord, make us one. Lord, make us one. Lord, make us one everywhere. One to do thy will. One to do thy will. One to do thy will everywhere. One to walk upright. One to walk upright. One to walk upright everywhere. And when I saw, I, I just, that little melody came to me, and I thought, this is what we are about. This is what we are about. Lord, make us one. As our sister Jadira was reading, I, was, I, I also burst in tears. And I thought, this may be one of those days. Because God's goodness to us is immeasurable. And when you and I are growing, we are children babes, then children, and then we are, we are adolescents, and we are growing, we may not understand that. Your teenager may not understand a lot that you want them to understand, but as they grow older, if you keep them near, and you keep parenting them, they will begin to know. And that's how it is with Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be one. And I think that... <clears throat> I think that if we would just look around us, just look around us. Would you take a moment and do that? Just look around and, and look at people who don't look exactly like you. You must look around. Don't just look at me. I really want you to look around for a moment. And, and, and it's an amazing thing what God has done uh, here in Corpus Christi, Texas, a place where you don't go through it, but you go to it. And it shows us the, the, the great power of God who can do anything. When I was growing up, uh, people would often say these words, God can do anything but fail. And so I would like for us to, to recalibrate or to reset our thinking as to why we are here. We are here so that God would experientially make us one. Uh, when uh, our sister was reading the reading, she said, she said, uh, and one, one sentence said that we are being saved. And then one, one uh, scripture said, or sentence said, we have been saved. And I thought, I trust no one thinks that that was a contradiction. It was not at all a contradiction. For we have been saved. That is an established fact in heaven. And I tell you, the thing I appreciate about it is that once you've been saved, you can't be unsaved. Hallelujah. There are people who would try to prove me wrong on that. And growing up Pentecostal, we, we were taught that you could lose salvation at any moment. And though I was a saved person, I was very fearful that one day I was going to do something real dumb 
and go, and go to hell and all that would be wasted. Until one day the Lord told, spoke to me and said, no, I'm going to get you to the throne of God. And I was so excited. But I still wasn't fully there because I thought he's going to get me. I don't know about the rest of these folks. And then God said, showed me in the word of God that, that Jesus has become the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We are saved. We are being saved. And that's what a lot of this interaction is about. God is working things out. And in that article, uh, she read that God is making us of the same mind. You would be surprised at how many people I differed with and who differed with me. And now through working together and rubbing against each other, we believe so much of the same things. And I believe God is going to bring that to perfection. Hallelujah. Because that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Not keep you in your same place of repose in the sense that you are, you are inclining on your old thinking and old beliefs. That's not what God wants for the church. I'm very zealous for the church. I know I'm a bit weepy this morning. I, I, it happened earlier in the service. I was fine before I came here. <laughs> but I feel weepy today, and I trust you don't see that as a sign of weakness. It's a sign of weepiness. <laughs> Lord, make us one. Make us one everywhere. Make us one to do thy will, to do thy will everywhere. Lord, make us one to walk upright, to walk upright everywhere. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. What an amazing statement. Though I am free from all men, and this is what salvation will do. Salvation will give you a freedom that you have never had, and sometimes we cannot articulate that freedom, but we know it's there. And so I'm saying to you that Paul is speaking, and he says, I, though I'm free, that's what I, I appreciate about salvation. I'm free. I've heard believers say, I am free, and then misuse the freedom. We don't want to ever misuse our freedom because all of this is not about us. Uh, it's not about us. I, I, I've remarked about the brother who often comes to this fellowship, and he says, it's not about you. He's, quickly, he's quick to say, it's not about you, but it's about Jesus. This whole salvific experience is about Jesus and how you and I relate to him, how we are obedient to him, how we are zealous for him. Uh, my, 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 my first one of my first statements here was I'm zealous for the Lord. I'm zealous for the Lord's house. I am so zealous for the Lord's house that I, I revisit my, my zeal often and say, Lord, I don't want to beat the people with, with my zeal. Because, of course, Jesus made a, a rope there, a cord, a whip with cords, and he drove out those undesirable elements from the house of God. And I think that's what preaching ought to do. I think that's what teaching ought to do. It ought to drive out those undesirable elements in us, those things that are in us that aren't, aren't right that we have made a peace treaty with. You happen to be living, in, in my view and my belief, in one of the greatest times of human history. You are living in one of the greatest times. You say, are you serious? Yes, I am. 
I am saying we are living in, in a time of advancement like no other time. I mean, I never would have dreamed, but we saw a Dick Tracy with a, with a, a telephone watch, but we didn't think it was, was going to be real. I, 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 I've texted some of you from time to time, and, and I'll see you. They're not looking at, for the time. They're looking at their watch. It's amazing. But we're also living in a time when God is, is giving us an opportunity to reset. Uh, maybe, maybe a lot of you are smarter than me, but I, I have messed up on a test or two in my life. You know, as a young boy, sometimes I just didn't study. I thought I knew it all. Not in, in everyday life, but knew the material. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh boy, I sure hope we get a retest. And sometimes the teacher would say, I, I'm going to give you a retest some. Okay, I'm going to give you a retest tomorrow. Oh, thank you, God. I have a, an opportunity now to do what I should have done in the first place. And this is what God is giving us this hour for, Amen. to do it. And take that seriously. Amen. Take that seriously unless you want to fail. And so Paul says, I've made myself a servant to all that I may win the more. And I think the cry of the Holy Spirit is for you and me to make ourselves a servant to all of our brothers and sisters and even those who are without. I was calling a dear a brother, a dear brother here who worships the church, called me. He had had uh, interaction with a very tough guy at work. And those of you who work maybe outside your home, and those of you who do work in your home, you have worked outside your home, and you know that the workplace can be a very difficult place. This was a very hard man, but he loved the brother because the brother was always kind to him, no matter how insulting he, he was. And he was often insulting. Some of it was through ignorance, and some of it was just through maliciousness. And he kept being nice and kept being nice. Then one day he found that, that this man and his community was in need. And so he gathered together a lot of provisions and various things, and he took it to him. And the man was astounded. Why would you do that for me? Because he had lived for himself first and not for others. And he'd, he would talk about God, make mention of God, but God was not really in his thoughts. And, and several days back, he said, to, to our brother here, he said, I've, I've given my heart to Jesus Christ because this brother said, I will be a servant to all. When we say these things, there's no ulterior motive. This is the motive, is that you and I might do the work of the Lord we, while we have a chance, Amen. while we have an opportunity. Amen. There's another song that we used to sing. I don't know. I, I was never a good singer. I could sing bass parts here and there. But uh, uh, there was uh, another song that we used to sing, sing and it, it had to do with um, doing the work of God while I have a chance. You know, rather than an opportunity, these were not the most educated people, but they loved Jesus with everything and had revelation much past their grammar. <laughs> but they would say, the reason I'm living this life, I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm living this life, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost when Jesus comes. And I think that there are reasons why we live. One certainly is I don't want to, to go to the abyss. I don't want to go to the other place and be permanently in a, in a hell jail, you know? I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there where the fire is hot and is never quenched. 
Well, one reason I, want, I, I, I don't want to, I want to, don't want to be lost is that uh, the song says, the reason I'm living this life, I don't want to be lost. But the reason I'm living this life is because God commanded it. And he showed it through the death of his son. And I want you to see that. And I want you to see that fully. I want you to leave here today with a renewed sense of purpose. I want you to have zeal for his house. And firstly, you can't have zeal for this house until you have zeal for this house. That means you must walk upright. You must do his will. And not just here, but everywhere. Paul says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who, were under the, to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this, is, now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul is not saying that he was a whimsical or capricious person. Some of us, when we are with the sinners, we are sinful. Some of us, when we are with the backbiters, we are backbiters. But that's not what Paul meant. Sometimes when we are with the bombastic people, we too are bombastic. And sometimes when we are with the critical people, we too are criticizers. But that's not what Paul meant. What Paul meant was, when I am with my Jewish brethren, I conduct myself very wisely among my Jewish brethren so that I do not offend them and their scruples. Because Paul now knew that he was not justified by those Jewish rituals. He says, but I, I don't offend my brothers. He says, when I am uh, with those who are under the law, I am under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, but not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. But, but I, when I'm with those who are under the law, this is what he's, he's obviously saying. When I am with Gentiles, I don't criticize the Gentiles. When, when Gentiles sit down for, uh, this is, of course, my interpretation. When they sit down for a meal, I don't ask if it's ham or ribeye. He said, because I want to win them. Some of us have become winless because we are not like Paul and we don't love God enough to deny ourselves. And so I want to continue to encourage each of us to love God more than you love yourself. If you don't love God more than you love yourself, you're not doing what God really desires. Paul said, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. And he's probably talking about putting up with the scruples of some. Now, for an ex for example, if you are with people who have a problem drinking alcohol in any form, now that's a, an example. You have a, a you don't say, "Well, I'm free." You know, you, you're at the restaurant. I'm free, and you just you just guggle or, or whatever you call that word. You don't want to do that. Well, I'm free. Are you so free that you'll hurt your brother? 
This is what God is after. This is what God wants us to be aware of every day. And I've been in the company of people who were so free, they were callous with your heart and with your sensibilities. Let us not be like that, brothers and sisters, for the gospel's sake. Let me say a few things, and then we will receive our communion. Because I love God, I will obey him. How many of you know when you say to God something like, I'm going to obey you, Lord. I'm going to do whatever you want. Something difficult will come very quickly. It's testing your faith. But because you love God, obey him. Jesus said in John 14, 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. He said, so I want the world to know that I love the Father. Those people who do not, do not know God, I want them to know by my conduct. Some of us are failing it. So I've decided not to call everybody who goes to church Christian. I will call some churchgoers. Don't be a churchgoer. Be a Christ-like person. So be totally his. Be totally his. Do not present your members, your eyes, your hearing, your mouth, your hands, your feet as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Do not do that. We're living in a critical hour. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with somewhat, this may be a bit of a negative note, but my heart makes it positive. I remember saying in this church that if I were not a Christian, knowing my constitution, not the American constitution now, I know that pretty well, fairly well, somewhat well. <laughs> but I know my constitution. And if I were not saved, if I weren't already saved, looking at Christians' conduct in the world, I wouldn't want any of that. Your pastor's talking to you. I love God with all my heart. But many of, of people who call themselves Christian would have been a big hindrance to me because I would have been looking for something better than me. So I want you to conduct your lives in truth and in honesty, as we say at every marriage ceremony. Conduct your lives in truth and in honesty, and your marriage will last. And that's marriage that you are now in, uh, desiring to, uh, uh, to complete will be a blessing to you and everyone. Live your lives with truth and honesty, and this life that you're living will not only be a blessing to you, but in everyone. We're going to have communion, and then I'm going to come back in a moment, and I'm going to ask if you want to be saved. I'm going to ask, too, if you want to be saved in our audience. If anybody here, you said, I've come here for the first time, and, and I'm going to, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ, or you've been coming, and you've been kind of checking us out, if you'll raise your hand, I'm going to come back and pray for you. Just raise your hand wherever you are in the building, wherever you are. If you want to give your, your heart to Jesus Christ, fully give your life fully to him and devote yourself to him, you can raise your hand. Please do so. I want to thank you, and I'm going to come back, and we're going to tell you how to consummate that. Well, let's do it right now. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, like say something. He says God will save you. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, he will save you, and you'll be totally saved. Be totally saved. Be totally saved. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Isn't that amazing? Deborah, I want you, you uh, and Brother Ricky to go back there. 
And right there, she's on the one, two, three, four, five, fifth seat. Yes, go right there. And just, just touch her shoulder. Just touch her shoulder and the baby's shoulder. I'm so gr grateful for, for, I suppose, is this your family? Uh, uh, daughters? Wow. Your daughter and granddaughter. Wow. I remember when you first came and we, we talked. So it's amazing, your daughter saying, I want Jesus. So, so, so say, to, say to me, both of you, dear God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Save me. Wash me from every wrong. And help me to walk out this life. I'll yield myself to you. I believe in your word. I, I believe Jesus is your son. Therefore, according to the Holy Scriptures, I am saved. And the pastor said today that once I am saved, I cannot be unsaved. In the name of Jesus, I declare I am saved. Amen. Amen. We bless you, precious. We bless you. Come. Come.